Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? What are some things standing in the way of being the best version of you? For a lot of people, life, your past, and sometimes your current situation can cause roadblocks in your life. Mental health is incredibly important, and so many, including myself, can benefit from talking to a professional and working to dismantle those roadblocks. That's why I'm excited to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. BetterHelp knows no two people are the same and will help to assess your personal needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. These incredibly convenient appointments are in a safe and completely private online environment, and you can start chatting with your new therapist in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. You can message with your counselor at any time and get a timely response, plus schedule weekly video or phone sessions which means no driving to an office, no waiting rooms, and no awkward small talk. Just meaningful sessions with experts who specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflict, LGBTQ matters, grief, and so much more. There is truly someone there for everyone. And BetterHelp is committed to finding your perfect match, which means if you and your counselor don't mesh for whatever reason, they make it easy and free to seek someone new if needed. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and with financial aid available and access worldwide, they truly make it easy for anyone to seek the help they need. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com morningcup. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash morning cup. There were two more murders 15 miles well, away. Arrived, they found the telephone and electricity line here described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. Serial killers are supposed to lurk around in the shadows and avoid capture. On November 15, 1952, a man was born who would be unable to control his murderous tendencies. So much so that he took a victim at a dinner party. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Nikolai Jumagaliev was born on November 15, 1952 in what is now Kazakhstan during the time of the Soviet Union. After finishing the ninth grade, Nikolai moved on to the railway school where he graduated and entered the workforce. That was until, at just 18, when he enlisted in the Soviet Army, where he would serve in chemical defense. He did his job, kept his nose clean as far as I could find, and once his service was complete, tried to work as a driver with the plans to enter college, neither of which happened. So instead, he began traveling around the Soviet Union, picking up odd jobs here and there to try and find his place in the new world. He was well-spoken, clean-shaven, and an intelligent gentleman. Everyone who knew him found him likable. So much so that they looked past one obvious physical flaw. His mouth was full of white metal teeth. In 1977, Nikolai returned to Kazakhstan and took a job as a firefighter. Unfortunately, that same year would bring an illness that would change his life and the lives of many others forever. That was the year he contracted both syphilis and trichomoniasis, both of which he would later blame for his heinous crimes. He spent two years carefully planning his first murder. 
and he was ready to begin in January of 1979. That's when he killed a woman traveling alone down a rural path outside of his city. She turned just in time for him to put his arms around her neck and drag her back to the side of a landfill. He then cut her throat as she fought for her life and drank the blood from her neck. Hearing a bus and fearing he might get caught, he lay down next to the body. And when his hands got cold as he waited, he stripped her naked and used her body for warmth. When the coast was clear, he resumed the murder by cutting her breasts into strips, removing her ovaries, and separating her pelvis from her hips. He placed these pieces into his backpack and later cooked and pickled them for consumption. He claimed he ate off of her body for a month. What was left of her was found on January 25th, 1979, and a criminal investigation began, though it was not their work that would lead to his eventual capture. For the remainder of 1979, Nikolai killed and cannibalized at least five more victims. Then, in August of that year, he ended up serving some time in a psychiatric hospital after shooting a fellow fireman and being diagnosed with schizophrenia. The Metal Fang, as he was being called, was off the streets for less than a year before being released and committing three more murders. But it was his final murder that would be his undoing. He invited some friends to his house for a little dinner party when he snatched one partygoer and began dismembering him in the next room as the guests continued to socialize. When someone came looking for them, they opened the door to find Nikolai on his knees covered in blood. The police were called and were so shocked at what they had just seen that Nikolai was able to escape and fled naked and covered in blood into the mountains. He was finally tracked down and arrested on December 19, 1980. His trial began almost a year later and, because of his prior diagnosis, was declared insane and sent to a special treatment center where he spent the next eight years. In August of 1989, Nikolai Jumagaliov was able to escape the hospital and spend several years wandering around the USSR as a wanted fugitive. He was seen around Moscow, Kyrgyzstan and Uzbekistan, mostly living off of the land and bartering his collected medical plants for food with locals. Worried the search parties were closing in on him, Nikolai tried to make investigators believe he had fled off to the capital. He asked an acquaintance to take a letter he had written to a friend in Bishkek and mail it from Moscow. The letter ended with the sentence, Now I will return soon. There are a lot of beautiful women here. No one will notice their loss. Worried he was about to resume his killing in the vastly populated city, investigators and the press reported that he was in the capital. But after a while, even the fugitive gets tired of running. He staged a theft with the intention of returning to Tashkent to go to prison for the minor crime. He did so in April of 1991 after being sent to prison for stealing sheep in Fergana. He admitted to the theft, but after claiming to be Chinese, would not explain how he made his way to the Soviet Union. So, they sent word to Moscow asking for assistance. The man who showed up just so happened to be part of the team who was trying to capture Nikolai Jumagaliov. And when he arrived, he knew that the sheep thief was really the cannibal. He was arrested and taken back to the psychiatric hospital in Kazakhstan. As he sat in the isolated psychiatric clinic behind a fence of barbed wire, he filed to have his sentence changed and be given the death penalty. But experts simply say this is a symptom of his disease and denied his request. Other than that, he is considered a model prisoner, a model patient, helpful and calm. 
So much so that the idea of him being released is still open for discussion. Or at least it was. In September of 2014, Nikolai was charged and convicted with a 10th murder, one that took place in 1990. And while he has only been formally linked with the murders of 10 victims, experts believe the number is well into the double digits. Some even speculate he broke 100. It is unclear if this new charge will change the doctor's opinions on his release back into society. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on November 16th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.